You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle V. If you want to watch exclusive full-length video episodes with each of our guests, receive a free Ozark-inspired sticker every single month, and get a shout-out on a future episode, then sign up for the White River Club on our Patreon. The link is in the show notes, and your support goes a long way. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe. Now, here's the episode. All right, welcome back for another episode of the Ozark Podcast. You've got Kyle Veet on the mic as always, and I am joined by my co-host Adam Treese. What's going on? What's going on, man? What are we What, what are we doing right now? <laughs> we are uh, driving down Interstate Forty Nine. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We thought we'd uh, we switch it up um, a little bit this time. Um, we've been out. It's in the middle of the work week for us, but we took we took the afternoon off to go shed hunting this afternoon up in kansas and um and now we're headed back and we just thought we'd give you a, a truck ride home podcast if you yeah. will we're still settling on the name we don't know if that's the name but that's what we're doing yeah i i don't know what it called on the road again on the road again but that's exactly what we're doing um it was a short afternoon of shed hunting but any time out of the office right now is great yeah um yeah. T- took some time. Kyle brought his dog. We found zero sheds. None. But no. we only looked for like two hours, so. Yeah, I can't say it was our best effort just because we didn't have enough time. I mean, the time that we had was good quality looking, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't for a lack of effort, but that's, that's right. That's um, right. Just more of a lack of time. Yeah. Which, it, it was some areas that I had hit already earlier in the season, or earlier in the year, um, February, but... Anytime we get to get out and shed hunt in the spring, I'd love it. You know, get to do some new scouting, do scouting for deer, look for turkey, um, you know, what have you. Yeah. And today, we're so it just rained. The last like two days, it just rained. So it actually, it kind of worked to our advantage where everything was, you were talking about it earlier, mm-hmm. everything was matted down. Um, bones that we did find um, from from deer, whether it was, your skulls or rib cages, bones, stuff like that. They they seem to pop really well mm-hmm. off the wet the wet ground. Yeah, there's no glare to work like battle against today. I guess that's a big thing. Shed hunting is whenever it's really sunny out, everything kind of shines and everything's that white color, and you got to make sure the sun's your back. Um, but whenever it rains and it's overcast, it really mats down the grass, um, you know, and and a lot easier to spot those those shed antlers and. But the shed antlers stay white while everything darkens down a little bit. But yeah, while it was good conditions, it it didn't pay off. Still didn't still didn't pay off for us, uh, which is okay because you know we found a few things. We um, I found what I think it was a bobcat skull, um, and that was cool just to you know find anything like that. Uh, like I said, we found a couple of deer carcasses. We did find. With that rain, we, I mean, we found some really, really defined trails where mm-hmm. deer were freshly walking through there, mm-hmm. big buck tracks, um, really good to just do some scouting, which is which is really kind of what we wanted to 
um, talk about, you know, leading into one of the things we wanted to talk about on, on this podcast as we head further into the spring. Um, obviously, spring means turkey season coming up soon. Yep. And uh, we're excited about getting out and, and doing some more scouting and, and looking for some turkeys. What, what's the date today, Kyle? I don't know. It's off my head. Uh, today, I want to say is March 23rd? 22nd. 22nd. Yep. 22nd. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're coming up. It's it's in, in Arkansas and most of um, the Ozarks in Arkansas, it's end of April or, or mid-April about there, I think. I'd for have turkey to, season? For turkey season, yeah. yeah. Um, it kind of depends on, on where you're at in the Ozarks, um, if you're up in Missouri or down in Arkansas. But, um, but yeah, it's coming up either way. And um, so what we wanted to do is just is talk some, just some kind of some basic uh, turkey knowledge, um, some things. You know, I'll, I'll come out and say it. I'm, I'm not the biggest turkey hunter in the world. Um, I've turkey hunted for the last couple of seasons in a row, and um, I've, I've learned a few things. I have some stories to tell, some, um, some mistakes I've made that I can at least, you know, tell the lessons I've learned from those situations. Um, but I'll just come out and say that. I know, Adam, you've, you've done a lot, you know, a, a fair amount of turkey hunting. You've actually killed a few birds. Um, yeah. You've done a fair amount yourself, right? Yeah, I, I like to go every year. Whether, I mean, I've shot, let me see, I think four birds in my life, and I've gone every year. So if that tells you, you know, I, I'm not super successful. I go by myself a lot. Um, whenever I was younger, I'd... I'd go by myself with, with a buddy, and I feel like we'd chase the same birds for, like, five years yeah. every year, and we didn't shoot one. Um, they learned you more than you learned them. Exactly. They're like, oh, yeah, it's getting warm. <laughs> yeah. Those two boys are going to be coming after us again. They're coming back. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I've been, I've been a lot. I've been around a lot of turkey hunters. I enjoy it. You know, um, I'm learning more every year as we go. So I, I'm looking forward to it this year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so all that to say, we're... We are by no means experts on the topic, but um, if, if this is your first year getting out to go turkey hunting or you just want to learn a little bit about it, um, we can at least give you the high-level knowledge, some, some basic facts and stuff um, about, about, you know, if you want to learn how to do it, we can kind of help you on that path. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe, hopefully. And if we say anything that you're just like, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's right. Feel free to fact check it and let us know if we got something wrong because <laughs> we're all here to learn at the end of the day. Yeah. Turkeys are weird birds too. They are weird. They're birds. hard. They can see so well. That's, that's the biggest thing I think is they can see everything. I think they can even see an additional color to us humans. Oh, really? Have you heard that? Um, I haven't, but already fact check us. <laughs> check that one out. Make sure you go check that one. But really, I have heard that. I, I think that's a thing. I do know for a fact they have incredible eyesight. I think in general, that's something that, um, bird species, have that's one of their advantages whereas um their sense of smell and hearing isn't as good as as some other species um in the woods but but yes absolutely turkeys have excellent eyesight so um one of the main things as you're going out and and we'll get into it um a little bit more but obviously you want to think about if they can see well you want to be uh, camouflaged you want to you know limit your movement just like a lot of other hunting scenarios um but Let's start with let's start with scouting. Let's start with the importance of scouting because, um, like we were talking about today, we we hiked around. Um, we're just about a month before spring in, in most places where, where we would be hunting, um, and one of one of the things that I, I think doesn't happen a lot for 
a good bit of hunters is I don't think people understand um, why you would scout, what, what that means when you want to go scout turkeys, what that looks like, what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about just the importance of, of scouting for turkeys. Yeah, I, I think even for myself, it's way too often overlooked scouting for turkeys. Um, just because it's like kind of a, for me, turkey hunting is kind of a spur of the moment thing. I don't spend all year, you know, amping up, waiting for turkeys, scouting for it in the off season. But it is important to um, to make sure and scout like leading up to where you want to hunt, right? Right. Especially for new properties too, or public land, wherever you're going. Um, for me, I, I hunt a lot of the same properties that I have, you know, growing up and in years past. So, relatively, the birds roost in the same area. Okay. Um, but whenever you know you go to a new property, there's a couple things that I like to look for whenever you're trying to find where the birds roost because where they roost is where they're going to be, you know, staying at nighttime, flying out of in the morning, spending most of their time. Oh, there's a cop. Let's try not to get pulled over. <laughs> yep, that That's, would be bad. That would be one of the downsides of doing a on the road again podcast would be getting getting pulled over and or getting in a car crash. Yeah, he's right behind us. He's about to pull by. And we're going to lower the mics. And he's gone. <laughs> oh my God. He's getting this guy in front I of us. I think he so. is. This guy is busted. Yep. He oh, got him. Oh, lights on. <laughs> this is like cops, dude. Oh, man. This could be a podcast in itself. Just following cops. You want to pull behind them and see what they're doing? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Dang. I was following this, this white <laughs> car that got pulled over, too. Oh, man. They just happened to be like 20 yards ahead of you going oh, just man. as fast. Well, I thought they saw a cop, too, because whenever we passed that bridge, they slammed on their brakes. Oh, man. So then I did, too, obviously. So they gave but, you the heads up. Yeah. Anyways. Can't um, get us all. Can only get that guy. <laughs> Scouting. Right. Scouting. Anyways. Anyways. We're, we're leaving that in the podcast. Yeah. Please. Um, but, you know, a couple of things I look for whenever I'm scouting for, or back up, what I was talking about, roosting a bird. You know, if you don't know what I mean by roosting a bird, that's turkeys sleep or I guess you say sleep. Do they sleep? I, mean, I think, yeah, yeah, they sleep. So they, they fly up and do a tree. Which maybe a lot of people don't know. I feel like growing up, I didn't really know. I mean, they look like big old chickens, right? Like they just, yeah. they walk on the ground. They, obviously they have wings and they are birds, but every time you see them, they're on the ground mm-hmm. and they're just walking around. Yeah, they fly when necessary, like if they're trying to get away from a predator and they fly up and down to a tree so it it takes a lot of energy for them to fly they're not just going to like get spooked from you and fly away um maybe after you shoot at one but um so anyways yeah they fly up into the roost usually you know bigger trees i like to look for roosting birds along um creeks ditches um rivers you know if you can find a good river bottom that is i mean pretty much a given for where where the birds are going to roost um but in the ozarks that's kind of harder to find so i haven't done much hunting in the mountains kyle have you like in the past couple years found out where your birds roost at yeah so the the couple places that i've been um have been on on private land so i I can't speak to a whole lot of uh, public land hunting um but the, the places that i've gone and that i've actually found birds 
Um, and I'll be honest with you, it's it's been kind of random places where mainly where we've seen turkeys while like deer hunting, um, which is another part of scouting in itself um, that it's not exactly, you know, figuring out where they're roosting or, or where they might be at, but just kind of knowing your land and, and understanding the surroundings of, okay, I've got a food source here, turkey, I, you know, turkey, they feed off some of the same things that deer do. They're looking for the same protein. They're looking for, um, for clover. And um, if you've got corn out, they can pick up, you know, grains, anything like that. Yeah. I, I will say they do really like even just bare fields, like whenever it's wet or after a rain, they go and and pick those bare fields, like try and find worms right. and, and bugs to eat. Yeah, yeah. So, so anywhere, if you just kind of think uh, critically about about the land that you're looking for, looking at, and the land that you're hunting, um, just you know consider consider where your food sources are um, and where they might be. That's usually how I've done it in in the Ozarks. And again, I'm not saying that's the best way or the perfect way, um, but it usually starts or has started with okay, I've seen turkeys here. You know, I've got turkeys on camera. Um, I know they've been in this area and that's where we'll go set up. And, and then we'll go, we'll go pick a spot kind of nearby, um, one of those areas. Right. But, um, sorry, were you, were you going somewhere with that? No, no, just answering, (laughs) answering your question. Um, yeah, but I, I haven't done much, um, hunting in the mountains, so I can't really speak to that, but from where I hunt a lot is primarily river bottoms, um, big lone, you know, trees and pastures, pinches. Um, but scouting is a huge, huge thing that I like to do, especially, um, like the week before season, or maybe if I go up and and I know I'm going to hunt the next day, um, I'll go out that evening and just sit in a field or sit somewhere that you can watch, um, you know, watch, watch a good amount of property and definitely don't call, but I just like to watch and they'll slowly start to make their way back to the roost, you know, and a couple hours before sunset, um, they'll probably fly up into the roost that they'll fly up anytime from an hour before sunset all the way till dark. So, um, that, that's what I would do. Like whenever I go consider it scouting. Another thing is like what we just did was shed hunting. You know, I was constantly looking for tracks, um, Fresh turkey tracks, feathers, what have you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and and to your point on the fields, that's another thing. Anytime you're you're up in the mountains and you you find a little clearing or something like that, um, that's a that's a good spot to just kind of mark in your head of, of knowing where the fields are um, because they will come out, especially if if it's a field where you've got some you know some low spots in the field and there's some more moisture being held there. Um, they'll go dig around in those and they'll they'll pull up worms and. Um, they'll just look for food in those areas. Um, Mm -hmm. and sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Um, you know, turkey season is, is placed around mating season. Um, so, you know, whenever they come out and strut and stuff, they, those toms want to be seen and they want to, you know, I've seen toms get up on the dike, just something to get them higher than everything else. So everyone can see kind of their dominance and see them strut up and down the dike. Um, so that's what they're doing is, you know, trying to, I guess you could say strut and show their stuff off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, show their dominance and, and that they deserve that hen. Yeah. So those openings and clearings are good for, for the mating season, which is during turkey season. Yes. Which, which leads into the next, the next thing, um, of it, 
usually a field is a really good spot to set up a decoy mm-hmm. because for that very same reason that you're talking about, as well as just visibility's sake, if you think about, you know, looking through the open, the, uh, an open field, you can see a lot further. They can, uh, you know, a turkey can see a lot further to your decoy. Um, you just get a lot more coverage. Mm-hmm. And uh, versus, you know, if you're setting up in the middle of the woods just and you just pick any random spot, you're depending on how thick it is around you, you know, you're not going to be able to see more than 40 yards away really clearly, 50 yards through the trees. It gets really thick, which can be good if you're if you're mm-hmm. hunting that style uh, where you're maybe not using a decoy <clears throat> and you're just blind calling and you want to you want them to come in close and looking for that call that you're. Um, kind of putting out there and you're just trying to trick them that way um, but that's kind of that's two different styles of hunting basically there yeah I and I can speak kind of to both of them too but one of my favorite ways to hunt is um, just taking a fan with me just going through the woods you know listening for gobbles um, calling to them and, I, and I'm bringing a turkey fan with me usually I I use like one of my old ones that I've killed. Yeah. Um, and it's just the tail not, feathers spread out. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just fanned out um, like a mount would be. Yeah. Um, so, and that's super light, super easy to carry and I'll just carry it with me. And whenever I don't want it up, you know, I'll set it down. But then, you know, say I hear a turkey goblin a while, a ways away, I'm going to get set up um, depending on the turkey or the bird, you know, call to him whenever he, he's coming in. Sometimes they'll come right into the calling and, you know, come within range but sometimes they're a little more hesitant and they yeah they'll sit out there and wait to see something um and that's when i like to flash that that turkey fan mm, just yeah. through the trees you know if you're in timber or whatever just something that they see you know because we can't see see very well so they can't see too much either so any little bit of you know activity that they can see usually you know, draws their attention. Yeah, that's where you you end up using their advantage of eyesight mm-hmm. to their disadvantage. You're kind of movement, eyes are drawn to movement naturally. And especially when you think about a turkey that has incredible eyesight, any little movement, and especially if it's a turkey fan that it's it's used to seeing, it's looking for that, it's looking for feathers, that sheen, that shine on those feathers, it's going to see that and know exactly what that is. Yeah, that, it's also really good... Um, tool to use like for hiding your movement you know if i if i know a bird's up there and and i'm trying to sneak up to it if i'm crawling i'll plop that fan right in front of my face you know and you can get away with some movement behind it yeah and it just looks like you know they just see a big fan kind of come in their direction right and that that's worked for us a lot um one of one of the times that josh launch who was on one of the other podcasts um we doubled up one morning and we you know we walked through these woods we heard some turkeys gobbling in this pecan grove bottom and we get to the barbed wire fence and we just stick the fan up on the fence in front of us and i sit right behind it or maybe josh was sitting behind it and the other one was just to the side and use that kind of as a hiding mechanism you know but also it was just kind of sitting there and we called them right into the fan yeah which was you know i mean it worked it worked really good for two big toms right so yeah that sounds money you don't have to have you know it does help in a field to have like the best decoys you know decoys make a big difference right in turkey hunting but you don't always need that yeah 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 that makes sense um yeah for me the times that i've been um so i've i've hunted with and without decoys um 
I've hunted fields and uh, one one of the the first time I went hunting. So I'll, I'll just kind of get into the first time I went turkey hunting and actually saw a turkey. Um, and and I'll just come out and say I have not killed a turkey to this to this point in my life. Um, however, I've gotten really 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 close two separate times, and both of them are times that like they they kind of haunt me a little bit because there's both of them I, I learned valuable lessons that like man if I had done this one thing different mm-hmm. I would have had both of those birds um, so the first time that, that we went we went and set up I was with a friend of mine and um, on private land and we went and set up and we started the morning up in a field on top of this ridge um, where it's it's the biggest field on his property and, and I'd say it's probably um, you know maybe a football field wide um, and probably, I don't know, all, all in all, I'd say it's probably about an acre of just straight clearing in the middle of the woods. Um, so it seemed like a really good spot just to be able to see far away. We put up some decoys, and then we sat under a big cedar tree. <clears throat> we were all cameraed up. We put on our face paint just to get really blended in and set up under that dark that dark cedar. And, um, and we sat there, and we just kind of waited the morning until uh, the sun came up and... Um, you know, after a while, like you said, it's it's middle of the mating season. That's why they kind of plan um, turkey season to to intersect with that time. And so after a while, we started hearing some gobblers um, off in the woods, kind of to the left of us, behind us. And so we sat there and we just started answering them uh, with the call. And um, and so soon enough, basically, it just turned into kind of a cat and mouse game where we'd talk to them, they'd talk back to us, we'd go a little bit back and forth, and. Um, and then finally, you know, we we spent probably an hour and a half doing this, and we thought at one point it came into 40 yards or something like that behind us, but we never saw it, you know, quite really. And um, eventually it started moving further away, and it started getting to the point where we were like, I don't know, this, this turkey's not coming in. It's going too far away. We can't find it. We got frustrated, and I think we made a mistake in, in actually leaving that spot. Um, but we ended up leaving that spot because we were just like, man, we've spent – two and a half hours, three hours on this bird. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we moved on to a different spot. Um, and I'll get to what we did next later, but I think that's something that, um, when you're calling and you're calling is obviously a big part of turkey hunting, which, which makes it one of the things that is so fun about turkey hunting because you're actually communicating yeah, and you're hearing a direct result from your calls. Exactly. And it's, it's right back at you and it's, it's immediate. Um, and it's it's just cool because you can you can overdo it you can you can underdo it you can feel like you're getting the bird close like you feel like you really kind of have to earn it yeah that that's the struggle right there is you know it's so cool to hear him a huge just gobble through the woods respond to your call that it's like it's thrilling and you want to keep hearing it and all too often we we find ourselves over calling at these birds yeah. you know and um, but that does work sometimes you know calling a lot. But, you know, in my, in my personal, like, experiences, I've found, you know, talking back and forth a little bit and then just kind of shutting off yeah. gets them a little bit more curious. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's in, ended up what we did was kind of overcalling because, you know, it was my first time going. And the guy I was with, I can't remember if he'd done it before or not, but we were both, you know, we're not pros. We're not experts. We're just out there trying to figure it out. And we were so excited just to have a turkey sound you know, so close to us that we're like, oh, let's bring it in even closer. Yeah. We can't hear it. Let's bring it even closer. And we kept calling and calling and calling. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably overcalled, and and ultimately 
we maybe did get that bird into 40 yards behind us, but then we were still calling and it looked out into the field. It can see that clearly there's nothing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just wasn't interested in coming in. Yeah. And, and I think that's a big thing about turkey hunting too. Um, and I'm guilty of it is, you know, for me, I hop around to a d- bunch of different spots and the only, or the easiest way to know if one's there is to hear them. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, you go there and what I've been learning these past couple of years is you don't have to get out and call right away. You know, there's these birds react gobble a lot. You know, you hear of your owl calls and your crow calls. Um, but those things happen naturally so many times. So like this last year, um, we were looking for a bird. Um, we couldn't find one, but we knew that there was one back in this creek bottom every now and then. So we went, went back there and we just kind of listened. And a crow flies over the top of us and we hear it crowing and I'm like, get ready, you know, see if he, and he flew over where we think this bird roosts. And right as soon as the crow called right over him, the gobble, you know, reacted yeah. immediately. Yeah, shot gobble. So, but, but before, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have got out of my truck, walked a little bit, gave a call if I didn't hear anything, maybe, you know, turn around and go home. Yeah. Or just keep walking and calling until you hear something. But maybe they don't want to respond then, you know. Um, but usually these birds will gobble pretty naturally. It just takes a little bit of time to, to wait it out. Yeah. Yeah, and, and on that point, the, what you just said there was back to scouting. You That gave you just that much more of an advantage knowing that there there's a turkey down in there that you have seen or you think you know is down in that area um, for you to kind of take that extra second. And maybe you, you wouldn't have done that. Right, yeah, makes without, sense. Without doing that too. Um, but And then the other thing is too, that's, that's a good point that you brought up as well. Turkeys, um, they don't just respond to, to turkey calls. Mm-hmm. Um, they will a lot of times react to other noises um like you just mentioned crows and hoot owls um it just they're just a weird bird I, I, yeah and i don't get it it's like it's like they're scared but yeah but they're not like um you know i've had my uncle one time he whenever we'd go down to the river bottom he'd slam his doors just to see if that'd get a reaction gobble. yeah um so just to surprise them basically yeah and you know after you shoot i guess have you ever shot at one i have shot at one did it gobble when you shot um or was it by itself honestly i blacked out from the rush (laughs) of excitement (laughs) and then the bird then flying away yeah well a lot of times whenever you shoot you know birds that are around it maybe that you weren't shooting at hopefully will react gobble to your gunshot yeah so it's just any like sudden loud noise just i don't know gets them in but hoot owls and crow calls are you know, a good tactic to use if you're trying to locate a bird and find a bird right. without wanting to sound like you are a hen and get them coming your way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that does make sense. Because yeah. a, a lot of times, like, you know, you park your truck, you, you don't park too far away from where you're going to go. I don't at least. Um, and you don't want to immediately do that hen call right by your truck because... I mean, who knows? That bird could be searching for a hen. And whenever he hears you you make that call, you don't want to be walking to each other, right? You right. don't want to hear hear that gobble, and he heard you, and you're both walking towards each other. Mm, yeah, yeah. So that, that's another big, big thing that I, I've learned over the past couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So we covered, we covered scouting. Um, we talked a little bit about calling. Um, 
what next? Um, Where do we go from here? I think I think calling is is still something that that can be talked about. Yeah. Um, because I've heard, you know, have you ever heard a, a hen actually like m- make noises? Yes, I have. What like what did it sound like? So I've heard them um, make their what what to me sounds like a box call, like yeah. the and I I'm not exactly. Yep, I've heard that. Um, and then I've heard more like um, clucks, basically. Exactly. Like a little chicken. Your money. You're good at those. <coughs> um, yeah. So I've heard the clucks and I've heard the hen calls. Uh, and then, of course, I've heard the, the gobbles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know there's a lot more even variations in what, what those birds can do and say. Yeah, dude. I, I've heard, I feel like it all from hen. Just because where I hunted, like there were so many hens, which made it really hard to hunt because these toms and, and male birds have so many hens to pick from and choose from, you know, and go to. Um, but I've heard them, like, I heard this one hen a couple years ago. Like, I don't even know what it's even called. Like, you know, you call the toms noise a gobble. Yeah. What What's a hen's noise called? Um, a yelp. Yelp, yep. I knew it. Yelp. So I heard this hen yelp for, I'm not kidding, like five minutes straight. Five minutes straight, and it sounded like the worst person, like the worst call I've ever heard in my life. Like if there was a hunter who didn't know what he was doing. Exactly. Like <laughs> you could have taken a, a balloon and <laughs> made a noise through the balloon, like the squeaky noise, and oh, that's yeah. what it sounded like. Um, but it Weird. just sat there and walked circles, doing that, looking for a you know a Tom or a Jake or whatever. Um, <laughs> But so I've heard it from anywhere from that to just real raspy old hen yeah. to, you know, really high pitch. So don't think that, you know, you're a really bad caller if, you, if you're if you new to it, because I I personally have heard, I think, every tone a hen can make. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is good to have a couple different types of calls in, you know, mouth call, slate call, box call. Um if you, I, if you could only pick one, what would you go with? Mouth call. Okay. Why is that? Just because I'm not having to worry about it. I keep it in my mouth all the time. I feel like I can make all the same noises. Maybe it's not as clean. Um, I don't know. And maybe I'm not as good. I, I do like a slate call um, just because it, it can get super loud Yeah. And, and sound really realistic. But that mouth call, you can direct it very well, you know, using your hand, um, really cast it out or... Or if a bird's getting closer and you want to, you know, kind of tuck it away and make it sound like it's further behind you. Um, I think it's just easier. You know, you don't have to reach in your pocket to grab it either. But Yeah, and and that's that's another thing because if they are close, it requires no movement to use a mouth call versus a right. box call, you know, and, and a slate call really it takes two hands um, where you've got to put your gun kind of in between your legs yep. while you're sitting on the ground or wherever you're set up. You got to put your gun down, do the call, then pick it back up, and that's uh, that's not a ton of movement, but it's enough to, you know, if that bird sneaks up on you and it's right there, and then all of a sudden it sees you, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of moving to do to get that gun up and try to shoot real quick and maybe not make a super accurate shot. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and that brings up a good point too of like a tactic of hunting or a way of hunting that I I've found works really good, and I know a lot of people do it is. Um, if you, like whenever you go, try and go with somebody else. You know, it, 
what I have found very useful, and if you think about it, it makes sense. If Kyle, you and I are, are going after this bird, and let's say we decided I'm going to shoot it, yeah. right? We're going to move up on this bird. I'm going to set up, you know, closer to where the bird's coming in, and you might set 30 yards behind me, mm. because so many times the birds hang up in that 70 to 100 yard range, or you know, a little closer, just just a little bit out of range. Um, and in that scenario me being the one behind you i'm the one calling yes sorry right. did i not say that no but but i i'm tracking with you yeah so it sounds like you know by the time they get into range they can hear exactly where that call is coming from and you don't want them to be pinned on you you know know that that call is coming right from you that's one thing and two you don't really have to worry about it you yeah. just have to worry about finding the bird and shoot the bird yeah um and three you know they hang up a lot so many times you know, you might not have a good decoy or you might just really not convince the bird well enough to come into range. Yeah. Um, but having that extra 20 or 30 yards really makes a difference. Yeah. I can't tell you just even this last year, I, I went out probably, and in Arkansas, it's a short, short season. It's like a two, maybe three week season, three weekend season. Um, and I can't tell you how many times just this last year that I felt like I had a gobbler about that. 60 to 70 yard mm-hmm. range just just far enough to where I can't see it back in the woods it won't come into my field or even if I'm in the woods I just can't see it through everything but I can hear it and it sounds so close but it's just not I can't see it it's not coming in so to have that extra little buffer zone where someone's you know set up 30 yards back and they're the one calling mm-hmm. and I'm the one up front you know kind of closing that gap halfway basically um I mean, that just seems, yeah, it's, it seems like a good tactic. Yeah. And it always sounds like whenever birds are far away and you b- faintly hear a noise, it sounds like they're miles away. For me, it's like, man, they're so far away. We got to haul over there. Yeah. But whenever they're close, it sounds like they're right on top of you. Right. You know? Um, so that's like, that's a thing that I I find. It's like you hear them and it, it gives you chills because they're so close, but really they might still be 80 yards away. Yeah. And typically that's too far to shoot yeah 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 which which takes me to the the rest of my story of that day that first day hunting so we we moved from that spot we were set up at the top of the the ridge we left that bird right or wrong don't know um we decided to go to a new spot and we we actually went down to what you were talking about um down to the lower portion of his property completely on the other side which was like a creek bottom um, and we were just going to go down there because it was another area where basically we're, he's like, yeah, you know, I've seen birds down here as well. Um, and we're just going to go drive around until maybe we'll see one out in the field. We'll hear one, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be able to locate one or something like that. And just kind of, we try to get lucky. Well, we do that and we end up getting lucky. Um, we're driving along in his, like, uh, his ranger or, um, side by side, side by side. Yeah. And so we, we pull up and we're down this road and, we're in one field and we there's like a tree line in front of us and then we're looking in a, further into the next field and we see a tom and then we see like three hens around it and we're like oh crap there's a bird right there mm-hmm. and immediately so we you know we shut off we turn everything off and I'll, I'll tell you what we did right on this which i thought was it was super fun and it just made it like it made it one of the most memorable hunts I've been on, even though we didn't kill this bird. Um, what we did right was instead of just trying to like, you know, army crawl, sneak up to this bird, call him in. Like we tried to call for a little bit, but he's got three hens on him. 
he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not coming over to us. We didn't have decoys with us at this point. Um, so what we did right was we got down and there's this like I said it was in this creek bottom and the creek actually sits you know uh, probably six seven feet lower than the field where he's sitting in. So what we did was we got down in the creek bottom. We had our rubber boots on. And we just start walking through the water, like waiting really, really quiet where we're not stepping on sticks. Mm-hmm. We're not stepping on leaves. And I felt like an Indian just like w- walking <laughs> through this creek bottom completely below eye level t- of this bird. He can't see us. And we were able to get really, really close. We closed the gap from probably 150 yards to about 40 yards away. Oh, dang. Yeah. So you got close. We got really, really close. Without without ever calling or... or without calling at there. all, which was, you know, it's a it's a, probably a rare scenario mm-hmm. to be able to sneak up on a bird like that just walking. But they just stayed in the same spot, and that creek just... We were lucky enough that that creek bent around towards them. And um, and so we got down that creek, and we, we snuck up. So that was what we did right. And that, that brings me to the point where things go awry. Um, okay. So we get up and we see this bird and it's me and my buddy. We both got our shotguns and, you know, we're both, we're both kind of gauging the distance and we both kind of feel like, oh man, this is just a little bit too far, Mm -hmm. a little bit further than what we'd want to do. Um, and so we did a little bit of calling. We tried to, we tried to just do everything we could without overcalling. Cause at that point we were like, Hey, we probably overcalled that bird this morning. Um, but just nothing, nothing would happen. And so we got impatient and that, that was something, that's the biggest lesson I learned from this day, um, was the importance of just patience. And, you know, if we had just maybe got quiet for a little bit and let him just meander on over our way a little bit, just maybe even 10 yards further or 20 yards further, just to check out what was that noise, something like that. Um, but we didn't. And so we were both like, well, you know what? 40 yards, but if we both pull the trigger at the same time and we just try to shoot and then if we miss, we can jump up and run out at it, you know, run out at it before it runs off. And we did that. And, um, man, it just total, I mean, exactly like how you might picture it in your head where two guys pull the trigger at the same time. Then we jump up out of the creek. We run (laughs) at it. We storm the battlefield and that bird just fly, you know, flies off, flew up into the tree. Some feathers came off of it, but we just peppered it. Basically. We didn't even dang mortally wounded well that's good but patience was patience was what i learned from that one for sure yeah and turkey hunting is hard to or easy to be impatient you know so so often they hang up or you know or they stop gobbling and then you're like oh did they did they go on then you try and track them down well usually like you're not they're not going to gobble all their way in there you know a lot a lot of times you hear a bird gobbling over there which in your case scenario you you saw him so right so you knew differently there, but um, for me, a lot, a lot of times, you know, I'll be calling at a bird, and he just he just shuts up, and I think that he's gone on or or just not, you know, not interested. Then I make my way towards him, or you know, to try and see, but he was really on his way to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. It was kind of a weird weird scenario where you know you don't always see the bird before it's before it kind of. Um, gets into where it can see your decoys. Like, it, it's kind of hard to spot a turkey before it's coming into your location. Um, so we kind of had a unique scenario there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun. I, I mean, I just love seeing seeing a tom like that and hearing the noises they make and hearing the gobbles. Like, f- for the first time doing that, 
it almost didn't feel real. It was like, you're telling me there's some bird that out in the wild that makes that noise and yeah. it's not a joke. It's not some dude sitting in the woods making that same like, call Turkey, back Turkeys are cool. And I think the fact that we only, you know, get to hear that or hunt that, hunt those birds a couple of weeks in a year makes people go crazy for it. You know, I, I love turkey hunting. I go every year, but I'm nowhere near like a turkey guru. People, it consumes people. And rightfully so, because it's so, so cool, so fun to see and hear. And it's just, it's warm weather, you know, springtime. But, um, yeah, I, I, I completely get it. And I'm hoping to, uh, to bag a couple turkeys this year. Yeah. In a couple different states. If you could, if you had one, one last, like, um, word of wisdom or just advice to someone who's, who's going for the first time. What would you say to like focus on or be really aware of? Anything that you mm-hmm. learned from a specific time you went hunting, or a story that you've got where you're like, ah, I wouldn't do that again. Yeah, um, I'd say keep it simple, honestly, because you know I I went for a span of a few years of not killing anything, and I just overthought it. Um, and then this last year, I used a blind for the first time, mm. and well, not the first time I actually shot my first turkey out of a blind. But it was first time, like, me by myself using a, t- using a blind to hunt turkeys. Um, and you think they have great vision, you know, they'll notice you're blind. But I had, I, would, I just went to this river bottom field that I knew turkeys usually were in. I set up a Jake decoy and a, a strutting Jake decoy and a hen decoy kind of laying down. And I just sat there. Yeah. And I heard them go on all morning. And once one stepped out in the field, then I kind of called to it to get its attention to hear hear me. And before you know it, we had an army of Jakes <laughs> just sprint. And maybe Daniel can pull up the video and put, put I it in here. I mean, that video you showed us was hilarious. It's so funny because some turkeys can be so stupid. <laughs> like they they just sprinted in. Like, have you ever seen a video of an ostrich running? Yeah. That's exactly what they looked like in a line. There was like 10 Jakes in a line sprinting to the blind, to the decoys, and then they just start, they all, uh, you know, puffed out. Postured up. Postured up at the same time, and they walked in a circle so fast around the decoys <laughs> like it was a circus or a ritual or something. And then they just started destroying the decoy. Just, I mean, absolutely destroying it. And then so much so to where there's a tom at the other side of the field and, I mean, this Tom's not going to come in to this just mayhem going on of 10 Jakes destroying something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was over there strutting, watching, and I was trying to scare off these Jakes. I put my head out of the blind and was yelling at these Jakes. They looked at me and gobbled. No way. Yes. So, like, yes, turkeys are smart. Yes, they, like, are hard to hunt. But... Sometimes it can be a lot easier, and they they're dumb. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which Jakes are are naturally they're younger birds, um, so they're not as smart. But you know, some just some birds are different than others. Turkeys are weird. Yeah, yeah, they are weird. My dad. It reminds me growing up. My dad always said. Um, my dad always said turkeys, they're smart, but he said turkeys are so dumb that they will uh, they'll drown looking straight up in the sky while it's raining. <laughs> like that, that's how dumb that they, it's weird man that they can be but they also are you know you if you underestimate them they will outsmart you um and i've also had that happen before too it's just 
you you can underestimate them and think that they're going to be super easy because they their head is the size of a walnut basically and yeah then they outsmart you yeah i i am looking forward to this year though hunting out of a blind um because you can get away with a lot of movement if you have all the windows zipped up you're gonna get away with a lot of movement and i've always wanted to shoot one with my bow just because i'm a big bow hunter yeah i don't hunt deer with a rifle i i only hunt with a bow so i think that challenge of the turkey is next um so i'm gonna give that a shot this year and i'm excited excited to do that get a big old guillotine broadhead that's like you know five inches yeah fixed broadhead and just let her eat yeah that would be cool yeah i'd love to do that too shoot one with a bow i gotta get one first with the shotgun though and and get that out of the way for just yeah. to put one on the on the list for sure yeah i'm excited we'll have to get you out there yeah Hopefully, hopefully you can help me take one down. Yeah, I, I mean, turkey hunting is one of those things where it's more fun. You do it with people, you know. Well, I mean, it's fun to do, go by yourself every now and then, but um, I just like going with people, the camaraderie, kind of running around chasing birds. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that would be fun. The last time I went, I was by myself, and I ended up just taking a nap on the ground because <laughs> I got so bored. I didn't hear anything, and I had hunted this spot a couple of days in a row, and I figured I'd kind of blew it out basically. So I just, you know, set up on a tree, laid down, put my pillow behind me, and I just kind of fell asleep. You brought a pillow? Well, you know, like a butt <laughs> pad, basically. One of those camo. I was going to say, you weren't going hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going napping. It ended up being what it what it was, but yeah, we'll have to get out sometime. But that's all we got for you guys today. Just wanted to drop some knowledge and kind of get, get people a little bit excited about going turkey hunting mm-hmm. soon and um hopefully gave y'all a little bit of information to uh i don't know maybe you learn something maybe you can apply it next time you go yeah i mean thanks for thanks for listening to two goons just talk as we we're driving <laughs> driving home. on the road i mean but if you guys like this let us know we i i love this just talking because this is like our conversation normally would be anyways exactly. um but i i really enjoy doing this and if you guys enjoy it let us know yeah, we'll see you next time thanks guys This podcast is hosted by Kyle V, co-hosted by Adam Treese and Kyle Plunkett, and produced by Daniel Matthews. To sponsor an episode or for general advertising inquiries, reach out to us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. This podcast is presented by Inland Outdoors.